Hey everybody, my name is Kenzie Tartaglioni. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm your master of ceremonies. Hey, I'm Brennan Hershock. I go by he, him pronouns, and I play Sawyer Hook, the mortal. I'm April Consolo. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Ivy Duncan, a vampire. Hey there, I'm Mads McDonough. I use he, him pronouns, and I play Caleb Moore, the werewolf. My name is Ashley Westover. My pronouns are she, they, and I play Pharaoh Smith, the chosen. And welcome to Wildmore High. Content warning for this episode includes blood, physical violence, snake imagery, and death. The night sky over Wildmoor turns as the moon deepens to a blood red. A pillar of blue light streaks into the clouds from the center of town. An invisible dome, now knitted with veins of fire, flakes and floats gently to the ground like feathers. For those who were sleeping, their dreams shift into nightmares. For those awake, a nauseous uncertainty taints. At the barrier's edge stand guardians, looking up and watching its slow destruction with determination. Hundreds of years of struggle and strife. Years of watching and waiting and protecting. Years of preparation and training and stories passed down by word of mouth. And now in one night, the other world imposing itself on a beloved home. Shadows fit. Faces of ghouls appear. The ground covering old bones and new begins to quake and split. Monsters descend during a moment of decay, taking the weakness to exploit. Creatures always on the periphery, seen just out of the corner of an eye, drawn to a place of deep power and connection, are now given shape and chance. Wyatt, surrounded by a writhing mass of snakes, eyes yellow, glaring at the creatures just beyond the barrier, snarls out, if I must return to the damned, then I will take all of you with me. Bast's eyes go dark as Gabriel's go wide. He moves to physically restrain his husband in Blackthorn Manor, slitting his wrist open and pressing it to Bast's lips. Drink, mi amor. It's okay, I will be fine. Next to the lake, Daniel Moore, hands held over its surface, strings of golden light like spider webs whisking down. He watches as the surface begins to glow in the dark, the algae growing bright green, working to overtake the black sludge that has invaded. Ellie Hook, with Annabelle on her hip, a bit bleary-eyed from wine, rushes up the stairs from the hidden basement and stands poised in the front hall. A bag of ammunition dropped on the ground by her side, a rifle next to it, and a handgun steadily pointed at the front door. Adam Moore, lying dead only moments before, now reanimated by a shadow creature spurned by the lust of power and control, wraps a hand around Ivy's throat. Ivy Duncan, stepping to the dark side, driving toward Moore, the Moore estate. Caleb Moore, giving into a fleeting feeling and trusting his gut, led to a face spring of bright flowers and sparkling waters, diving through the breach of a 
waterfall to a brilliantly glowing cavern, and the artifact, the stone of the heart removed, can be returned. Sawyer Hook, in a strange house with strange symbols, watches Naya prepare for a strange, unknown ritual. Why Kai stares out the window, heart pulled between two places. And Pharaoh Hook, thrown into a mess they hadn't expected, standing next to their half-brother, everyone out of their depth but with no other option. Caleb, soaking wet, you emerge with the stone in hand back through the waterfall. In this light, amongst all of the glowing, effervescent things, the shadow form is more than that. The black swirls now amongst light gray smoke, and through it you can almost see a face. It's fleeting and not quite human, but familiar. Familiar enough to understand that it's your Aunt Sarah, and she seems trapped. I rub my thumb along the stone that I I've just grabbed now in my hands and I put it into my front pocket and look up at her. Are you... does it hurt? Feels odd. Yeah? You're stuck like that. That's why we couldn't find you. Yeah, I am. Do you know how it happened? In a general sense, yes. In a specific sense, I was trying to understand. I think whatever happened to you, I think it's in Adam now too. It's messing with everything around here. That black sludge. Oh, I know. I've been watching. Wait, so that's not... and then I like gesture around her. It's different? In a way. Caleb, I never thought that I would see you again, even in this form. And I know what you thought of me, what you all thought of me, and I can't say you're wrong. Because I did run, but I came back because I realized I was wrong. Caleb, I thought the heart was killing us all, so I tried to hide it away, I tried to get rid of it. It is a power that runs deep, so deep in this land, that it can't help but draw things towards it. But it's not killing us. We're killing each other. And so then I returned, and when I did, this shadow creature, the one I've seen following you, trying to gain entry to you, it found me, and it infested the wolf. And so now I'm stuck between two worlds. And I tried to reach out to you so many times, but I can't venture too far past the boundaries of this oasis without losing myself. And you see the wisps of smoke kind of fluctuate and move as if she's trying to gesture around the space. And I don't know what would happen if I did. I'm, I'm too afraid to find out. Because I was the only one who knew where I hid the stone, so I had to stay alive, or whatever I am now. I had to stay like this to, to keep it and protect it and to find somebody to put it back where it belongs. Well, someone told me when I was younger not to trust people, to tell you to come with them outside your room at like two in the morning. Sorry, I didn't the first time. When I leave now though, when I leave you here, are you going to go away forever this time? I don't blame you for not following me then, but that is what I look like outside of this place. I think if I stay here, I'll stay like this, but I'm not sure if I want to. Or maybe, maybe just for a little bit longer. I, I know my dad wants to see you really bad, and he wouldn't blame you for anything. You leaving, he probably just blames himself, actually. You have a lot of compassion in your heart. Yeah, it's a family burden. The shadow smoke flits kind of over across the pebbled creek bed closer to you, and you feel what should be a solid hand but is not. It is just a feeling of some sort of weight on your arm as the smoke kind of swirls around. Caleb put it back where it belongs, okay? Because I wasn't fast enough to do so. None of us should have ever felt like we 
we were necessary. We broke the heart by taking the stone. We brought all of this upon ourselves because of pride. We thought we were better and more important than we ever were. This hate and the violence that has been seeping in, the evil that we've known since we moved here, we brought it with us. And it is now our responsibility to fight back when it arises like it is now. But Wildmore would fight with you if it was whole. You think if we put it back, it will... I mean, that place is covered in this stuff, Aunt Sarah. Will it try and take over? I, I don't want to mess with the stone. Like, I want to fix things. I get that. It's not going to make it worse, is it? I haven't been able to move into the heart since I came back. I'm so tethered here. But all I know is that if it were replaced, it would make it easier. What has to be done? One stone will complete the circle of power that Wildmore used to have. Okay, I think I can manage that. Just kind of get everyone to believe me in it, too. That's going to be the tough part. Your friends have faith in you, Caleb, even if you don't. He looks down at his pocket where the stone is, kind of nods to himself, and then back up at her. I need to go. It was good to see you. I hope you know that I wanted to be able to teach you. I'm sorry that I wasn't there. Did you Did you ever know? I mean, anything, but specifically this, the family gift. Mom and Dad were so gung-ho about it being Adam, I just kind of believed it, too. I had a feeling, but not a certainty. And your parents were so certain that I couldn't question them about it, but I was always drawn to you. You were always my favorite, and I don't take that for granted. I think we were being told something we wouldn't take as truth. I smile a little bit. There was also a part of me wanting to save you from this, and that was a detriment on my end and yours, I guess, but not your fault, mine. Two gay black sheep of the family do need to stick together, I guess. Maybe that's how the lineage is drawn, so we should look out for from now on. <laughs> That'd make it much easier. It would, wouldn't it? I'll be back, okay? I can't help you outside of here, but I trust in you, and I think that you hold strength you don't know yet. So use what you do know. Well, what I do know is I make a really good shield. I think that'll be enough for now. I'll stick around for as long as I can. Don't tire yourself out too much. I can take the weight for now. The visage of her face kind of recedes back into this unformed figure as you emerge from this spring you walk through the woods that she led you here through and you come out to see the change in the sky oh shit and i make my way back to sarah's house ivy while you feel a flittering of fear from the dark black eyes you can see through the rearview mirror the hand around your throat you were never not going this way and so you continue in this fashion driving towards the more property to caleb's house and you pull into the driveway and there are a couple lights on inside of this house specifically ivy turns the car off and just kind of slightly inclines her head towards adam in the back seat. Will you let me go so we can go inside? The hand removes itself from your neck and says, your friends aren't here. Ivy lets out a bit of a breath when the hand removes itself from her neck and she looks through the windshield at the house, sees the lights on. She rolls down the window just a crack, takes in a deep breath and smells the air, listens. Huh, you're right. She turns around fully and looks at Adam. He is so pale, and his eyes are also fully black. And she says, do you know where they are? The head turns slowly to the right, looking out the passenger window, and a hand comes up through the two front seats and points at a house in the distance. I think they're waiting for you. She kind of smiles to herself. 
Yeah, that would make sense. She turns the car back on. Shall we find them? I think we should. I've been looking for so long. Ivy pulls out of the driveway and heads towards Sarah's house. Naya is putting the finishing touches on her little candle circle that she has placed around the bed. And she steps back from it and looks at Sawyer and says, I just hope you know that I am winging this. Yeah, I uh, know. We all kind of are. But uh, we'll get it figured out. Yeah, um, Pharaoh, uh, I don't really know how you ended up being here, but um, is there anything you can do to add to this? Pharaoh sticks their head out of, like, the armoire they've been hunkered down in. And they say, well, we don't really have, like, magic classes at public schools, but I have a knife. And I got spunk. And I do have a strong will to live. So that's what I bring to the table. Your rat isn't, like, some special thing. He's a Norwegian purebred, and he is at my house. Oh, okay. So unless if Beauregard also is secretly just like a big monster or something, which they think for a second, like, is that possible? No, I got him in a different city. He's not from Wildmore. Okay, it's fine. That, that's not a thing. And then you see them kind of glance at Sawyer for for like a second and say, uh, I, I'm just going to hide in here. And then they're going to slowly close it back and then just text Elias really quick, giving an update like, hey, we've got a witch who doesn't know what she's doing. We've got... Sawyer and me, who are just people. We've got Kai, who's a baddie, but I don't know what she does. Stand by, please, for the love of God. And I still have him, like, on the phone so he can, like, hear if any, like, screams start happening. So, once we get Ivy inside, anybody got an idea? Any ideas? What's step one? I guess two. We got her inside. Step one. Step two. Actually, no. Step one was set up. Step two was get her inside. Step three. We're on step three. This is good progress. There's a hand that falls on your shoulder, and Kai's like, I don't think we need steps. I think we came here to get that thing out of her, and that's the goal. Are you pretty strong? Against some, like, cryptid shadow being? Probably not. You hear from the closet, weren't you gonna make a soundtrack? Like, what's her actual favorite song? No, I put them in there. It's in the playlist. Are we, like, playing the playlist immediately upon entrance? Like, what? I vote yes. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Should we, like, just play it, like, on loop in the house as soon as, like, she walks in the door? Yep, it's got three songs on it. Uh, The Sound 1975, uh, I Always Want to Die Sometimes, also by the 1975, and then everybody's favorite. And we will dance again, I swear. That's certainly some people's favorites, but saying it's everybody's is a really big generalization. If that's the song that works, everybody here owes me an apology after this. And you all need to spend three hours listening to Wham and George Michael. I'm absolutely not taking that. So we got the bed all trapped up. How do we get a really powerful person in one singular spot that we... Do we have, like, lures? Do we have, like... Well, I thought the music was going to be the lure, but apparently we're just going to play that willy-nilly. Maybe if we all hide under the bed. You don't think she's going to notice the fact that we've got about 50 candles in here lit? Pharaoh sticks her head out again. (laughs) I mean, I would offer, like, some blood, but I'm anemic, and I don't know if that's, like, gross to vampires? That's actually a good idea. Okay, well, we've got your super strong friend, Caleb, if he ever comes back. I am stronger than if Ivy wasn't inhuman, but she's, like, pretty strong. But I could try to help. Well, we also have all this, these plant... The wards, too. Yeah, she might be weakened. These should at least help 
stop the creature's power. I, I, I have a quick question. I have about 50, so go ahead. Cool. So if the whole point is making, is helping Ivy fight off the thing herself, shouldn't we like maybe make it more comfy? Are there like throw pillows we can gather? Make like a little nest? Because I feel like if she comes in here, it might seem a little combative. So maybe we make it more cozy. The candles definitely help. The music m might. That might do something. But should we also, like, I don't know, make it soft and less... I look around at, like, the fucking blood sigils and, like, all the other shit carved in the walls. Maybe less cult vibes and more, like, intervention vibes. I mean, Ivy has about four pillows on her bed and that's it. She's pretty minimalist, so I don't know if, like... Th this would also mean you'd have to be out of the closet if you wanted to do that. Oh, no, I'm staying in... I'm saying you guys can get the pillows and stuff. I'm staying in here unless the knife is needed. So that's my job. I'm gonna just chill. I'll help if need be, though. But I'm just the idea man right now, I guess, because it seems like we're maybe rushing, but that's kind of important because the sky is on fire you hear a car pull up outside look this the, the armored door slams shut sawyer runs to the left and stops and runs to the right and then stops and then just stops in front of kai chill out as much as you can okay should i cut my hand should i use blood no 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 all right you called her here yeah did she say she was gonna come because she's obviously here or kind somebody not, is out not front really I'm just assuming that it's her i'm assuming this is this is caleb do you want me to go out there? No. No, I don't. Okay. Maybe we should both go out there. Caleb, as you are walking back to the house, you watch a car start driving across the lawns between your house and Sarah's house. And you recognize it. It's Adam's car. I know that Ivy's hearing is really good. And her sense of smell is pretty good too. I'm going to try and with, hopefully with the sound of the car and how fucked up my brother's car is, that it will take away from whatever noise that I'm making. I'm going to try and run, like book it to the back of my Aunt Sarah's house um, and like get in through the back screen door. You have like a thing, right? Oh, I do. I have a uncontainable. Yeah, it's not necessarily, necessarily that you're being physically entrapped, but I'm going to say that the back door is locked. And so I'd like you to use that to roll to, like, bust through the back door. I would love to desecrate my Aunt Sarah's house. <laughs> so 10. Everybody inside of the house hears this massive crash and a splintering of wood and a banging sound from the first floor right after you hear the car pull up. I just set the door back where it was. It's off the hinges. I just set it back. It's kind of splintered. There are, like, wooden pieces on the ground, but you put as the frame back as much as you can. Sawyer so has rushed downstairs as soon as the the smash happened you're coming down the stairs as caleb is running down the hallway trying to turn you guys almost smack into each other at the base of the stairs oh, caleb I, I i grab you like by uh this both the sides of your arms i look at you and i go back door was locked you could have texted me i didn't it's they're outside right now oh shit there might be a change of plans here sort of i found my aunt she's what? dead but like what? not dead but like kind of huh? dead She's in Ooh, between, what? like a limbo kind of situation. Where? Out in the woods? In the woods. Tiny waterfall. Uh, secret spot? I... I'm gonna reach into my pocket, pull out the rock. Yeah, so this is the heart. This is the heart? A rock? I use my other hand to tap my nail against it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes a slight, like, ringing. Like, not, like, loud, but just, like, a slight, like, ting. 
And that lasts a little bit as you click it. And then I hold it up in the air next to my eye and like <laughs> shoot my eyebrows up a couple times and then stuff it back in my pocket. Well, that's really fucking good news. Wait, does that mean if we return it, all of this will just go away? I don't know if all of it will go away, but most of it will. She made it sound like if we can get this thing back to where it's supposed to be, that it will help us get rid of this shadow creature. I grab your shirt and pull you in close. Caleb, we don't know what the hell we're doing with this exorcism. Let's fucking leave. We have no plan, no steps. They just got here. Ivy's mad fucked up. I have no idea what kind of condition Adam's in right now. Oh, shit. Do we just ditch? Do we send a runner? Do we try and figure out what's going on here? Do we go now? I don't know. I feel like this is a bad plan. This is a bad plan. I'm slowly starting to realize how bad of a plan this is. Caleb, Kai appears at the top of the stairs. I can take it because I can get in. First, I brighten up a little bit because what a good idea. And then almost immediately, Sawyer, I tense in your arms and it's almost like it seems like i like grow an inch or something but it's just my fucking posture straightening up no i need to do it so you go and we distract can you distract ivy do you know who you're talking to that's why i'm asking babe oh i thought this was gonna go that was a different response well i'll do my best I'm going to take his face in both of my hands and hold him there for a second and say, you're wonderful and creative, spontaneous, and so, so, so weak. I'm sorry, it's just true. Yeah. You've got a great personality and a stunning sense of humor, but your ben- bench press is maybe a 10, 10 pounds. Yeah, I was thinking more of creatively stalling. I wasn't just going to actually try oh, and hold her back. right. No, I know that my arms are noodles. No, they really are. It's like uncooked. They could snap. You guys do know that your best friend is outside of the house and she has like really good hearing. You pulled up and you heard, We have no idea what we're doing with this exorcism! And then pretty much everything else after that. But from a like, from like underwater almost, you haven't really been fully in the physical space since you gave into all of this so everything is like a little bit distorted ivy approaches the house with adam directly behind her and she hears this ridiculous argument about who's going to take the stone and behind you you hear none of them can take it because we need it yeah don't worry you're not going anywhere babe and ivy very silently like slowly turns the doorknob walks in sees there's a bunch of candles around but no one on this floor she takes a few silent steps up and sees kai standing at the top of the steps and hears voices echoing up she turns around to adam and says Why don't you give me a second? I'm gonna need you to manipulate an NPC. This is a big ask of this creature. I got a nine. You have two minutes and then I'm coming up. She rises up on her tiptoes and kisses his cold cheek. Says, don't worry, I'll be quick. She silently pads over and hears Caleb and Sawyer being so fucking cute. And then when Kai says, you know, your best friend is right outside and has really good hearing, this sharp, high giggle escapes her throat. Uh, hey? Kai spins. Not outside, but I did get to hear all of that disgusting romance. Uh, hey, what's up, guys? Ivy kind of looks around Kai and does a little wave towards Sawyer and Caleb. Frozen. (laughs) 
completely. The two of us comically still like holding each other. You've gotten quieter. Yeah, when I want to be. So, uh, did you guys come up with a plan to save me or what? Yes. I pull away from Sawyer so that I'm just standing next to him now and cross my arms over my chest. Oh, this is so cute, honestly. You all really think that this is going to work. I mean, we have Sawyer, who, as you just said, Caleb, is weak. I mean, he could never fight anyone off physically. Not exactly the brightest. And always so eager to please. That he honestly barely has a personality of his own. And we have Kai, who is so entangled with, well, me, that she's willing to let her grandfather be by himself in danger just to attempt to save me. And we have Pharaoh, who is too scared of me to even come out of the closet. Fuck. <laughs> and then, like, the, sl- the closet slowly creaks open, and they just, like, peek their head out, but they're still, like, ready to slam it shut. <laughs> they're just like, hey, Ivy, always a pleasure. Hi, Pharaoh. What are you even doing here? Genuinely, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, you're just desperate to find some place to belong, right? Some friends, anyone to care about you. And then we have Caleb, the hero of today. Always eager to be a hero, but you don't really know who you are either, do you? I mean, you're still in the shadow of your brother who, well, actually, maybe it'll be easier for you to get out of his shadow now. Kai reaches out and, like, grabs your chin and moves your face towards her, and she says, where did you go? Because this isn't what I meant. Ivy follows her hand and gets so close to her face. Is this not what you wanted? You wanted Ivy, the vampire, at her most powerful. And that's what I am now. No, I wanted you to like yourself. And you obviously hate yourself so much you did this. For a second, you can see a flash of gray through Ivy's eyes before they glaze over black again. Wow, you must be really, really scared. Because, you know, you kind of did this in a way. You all did this, actually. And you hear Ivy's voice drop almost like there's two voices layered on top of one another and ivy and not ivy says it was obvious obvious she needed needed help for a long time time, none of you wanted wanted to to give it to her and then ivy whips her head around adam next to ivy materializes from a shadow adam moore pale-faced black eyes as he smiles all of his teeth are points oh good to see you all again caleb i've been waiting so long sawyer you smell just the hint of like lingering smoke like something that's trailing off of a campfire that was burning a few hours ago and just the embers of it remain and then the sound of like almost like a cracking of wood that has been burned and like become charcoal starting to break down next to you and caleb is hunched forward slightly his limbs look a little bit distorted his nails just a little bit too long his his features a little too sharp and his eyes the pupils narrowed into small points staring at adam oh adam and there's this like tinny quality to his voice that sounds like it's 
very, very distant from his body, like an echo that you would hear somewhere deep in the woods. It sounds mournful and scared and small, though it does have weight to it. He looks down to you, and there's a firm grit to his jaw. And whenever he opens his mouth, you can see that his teeth are all kind of jagged and look just a little bit too big for his mouth. You need to call your bastard of a father. Get my dad. Ivy's dads. We need to go now. Oh, please bring them all into this space. I want to say hi again. I wasn't talking to you. Sawyer grabs Caleb's arm very gently and positions himself on the side of you and grabs the side of your face and doesn't force anything but tries to just gently move your eyes towards his. We just need to return the heart and this goes away. Well, that's not exactly true, Sawyer. Some things won't change even when you return the heart. Caleb, it's good to see you like this, actually. I wanted to talk to you a little earlier. If you return the heart, you won't be getting your brother back. You know that, right? He looks at you, and there's this firm, like, resolute understanding in one nod of his head. But you can still see back behind everything else is a very, very, very small child. It's very, very, very scared. Maybe it's just enough to tug at... A very, 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 very small child that's behind Ivy's eyes, too. Adam begins to walk, and he reaches up his hand and runs it against the wards and the glyphs in the wood. Eyes meeting the candles. He walks inside that room, finds the glyphs against the bed frame. Clever. They're not bad, but I've learned a lot from being here for so long. And you think this can hold me? Pharaoh, Kai's eyes meet yours. And as they do, she moves and grabs, like, tosses her arms around Ivy's to pull them behind Ivy's back, as if she's trying to shove her into the room. Farrah's going to step towards Adam to try to get him to turn his head towards them and say, Just to be clear, you're, like, super powerful, but if we get the heart back in the cave or whatever like you'll still be all powerful so it doesn't really matter to you right like what's they're just they're just like blubbering at this point they've got their hands like clenched behind their back on their butterfly knife and just trying to use any sort of word vomit to distract adam long enough to give kai that bit to get ivy in the room as pharaoh is doing that it breaks me enough to be able to grab on to the distraction that's trying to be made here with all these separate little conversations in this weird in-between smoke starting to roll off of my shoulders arms elongated back hunched bones cracking and snapping twisted looking monster version of myself i'm going to lean down just enough to be able to kiss sawyer at his temple and breathe into his ear please be safe Please be safe. Please be safe. Kai barely gets to even touch Ivy before Ivy, like, whips around and hits her with a palm to Kai's solar plexus and knocks her back, flying into the wall. Roll with your lash out. I rolled an eight. You hit Kai in her solar plexus hard enough that she goes flying backwards and slams into the wall and kind of, like, is airborne, slams, drops a couple inches back to her feet. And you see ink start to crawl up over her neck, and you see these snakes 
start to wind and wreathe around her, her neck. She gains a string on you, and as the ink snake starts to wind, they come up to like her jawline where they stop, but they still are like moving. You can see it all moving. And her eyes turn like a growing bright yellow light in this house. Ivy like watches this happen with a smirk, just goes, Sawyer uh, leans in and tries to readjust your face to kiss you and will attempt to pull you in and try to reach into your pocket and take the heart. I think that that could probably be easily done. So I think you can do that in the guise of kissing him. If there is a moment of recognition that that is what you're doing, Caleb allows it completely. I'll pull back out. If you kill her, it wins. I couldn't kill her, even if I wanted to. It's Ivy Duncan. You're fucking Caleb Moore. No, that's you. And I'll give you another kiss. The person you that you've lost sight of that Ivy didn't notice when she came in, that Adam didn't notice when he came in, is Naya. Adam is between me and he the door. He has moved over to the bed and is like running his fingers along the wards that are on the bed and like taking in the entire scene very nonchalantly. I think just your skin in general, you can read people. This thing believes it's already won. So whenever Pharaoh gets like their chance, whenever other people are distracted, the first thing they're going to do, because they're very sneaky, they're good at not being noticed, they're going to slip out and then grab Sawyer's hand and then just quickly get them out of here. With her eyes still trained on Kai, Ivy throws over her shoulder, Caleb, I've really been wanting to revisit our childhood years. You want to wrestle? I pull back away from Sawyer and give him one last nod, trying to hold back like, I trust you so much. Just communicated through my eyes and how distorted they look right now. I pull back and take a look at Ivy. How she's standing. It's just a little off because I was right. It's Ivy Duncan. And Ivy Duncan holds herself to a certain standard. A posture that she keeps no matter what kind of context the situation is. A way that her hair falls effortlessly and her outfit's always on point. But this Ivy is not disheveled but almost like if Ivy Duncan were set up like a mannequin in a store. There's something about her posture that seems a little too stiff, her clothing that's just sort of hanging at not quite the right angle, and hair that looks like it was brushed and then just let open to the elements. There's this moment of, oh, how the mighty have fallen, that echoes in the back of his brain before looking at Ivy again, hearing those words, when we were children, we would wrestle around, and how in those moments, too, it always seemed like I could withstand a lot more of Ivy than even Adam can, and why it didn't make more sense to me at the time or anyone else. There's a playfulness to it whenever I smile and think about those times and what my Aunt Sarah had just said to me previously, thinking back on my own words that this is a gift and I can choose what I want to do with it. So I crack a smile, I hunch my shoulders forward and let the smoke start to overtake my back, my shoulders, my arms, everything elongates, points, stars, and glitter, like constellations flowing all around my face. And the last thing that goes is my eyes and my mouth as I say, you wanna play, let's play Ivy, just like old times. And I'm not my darkest self, but I have transformed. And with that, I am going to barrel forward at her. I need Caleb to roll Lash Out Physically. Seven plus two, nine. You deal a harm to Ivy. In this state, since she is fighting back, she will deal one harm back to you. In this moment of them tussling on the ground, Pharaoh, you grab Sawyer and dash down the stairs with him. I 
turn to Sawyer and I say, we need to get to your heart. They are like dragging you out to the car that they drove here in. There came a point where I think Sawyer stopped being dragged and rushed forward past you and jumped into Adam's car because the windows are down because they're always down. And you see him poke his head back out. I've always wanted to do this. And I'll go under and I will kick out the bottom and take out my knife and attempt to hotwire the car. I'm like jangling the keys to the car that I have like Sawyer. Sawyer, get your ass over here. We could do this. I could show you a quicker way later, my guy. Hot wires, the engine starts. Fuck. (laughs) And it's like an Edgar Wright style of (laughs) just cutting and the phone gets plugged in and the the stereo blasts to 100% careless whisper and the fucking car unlocks. Get in. I have one question for you, Sawyer. Were you leaving a way for the playlist to be played in the house when you left, or that was your phone and it came with you? That was my phone. As uh, Pharaoh like jumps in, they're like, just fucking go, 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 go. And then as you drive out, they're they gonna take their phone out and they're gonna turn the volume up again. And then I say, we're headed to the, their convergence spot. I think it was three or four. Remember the one that we couldn't figure out? Um, I need you to make sure we're not followed. Uh, and if there's a way you can clear a path, that would be great. How am I supposed to do all of that? <laughs> not you, just drive. We're already here, and as you guys are peeling through the more property, you see these black vans, like, just flowing in through the front of the property towards Sarah's house. And, like, as you pass one, you make eye contact with Elias. Who the fuck is that? The FBI? That's our homeroom teacher! Just keep going, I'll explain later! What? Just go, Sawyer! Fucking drive! I never learned how to drive! Why the fuck are you behind the wheel?! I think they're just yelling at each other the whole fucking way. Sawyer is running on pure adrenaline, the music that's playing, and nothing else. Somehow managing to drive on the road, not in a straight line at all, and just going 20 miles over the speed limit. But what is very nice is that the heart of Wildmore isn't that far from the Moore property. It's quite a bit away from town, but it's not that far from the Moore property. I just want to solidify the image. Siblings yelling at each other, careless whisper blasting, Pharaoh just like holding on to the oh shit stick for like dear fucking life (laughs) and just Sawyer is tuned in. Ivy, as you are fighting with Caleb in this house, you hear the voice in your head. I'm surprised you even let him hit you. You're so much better than that. What am I using you for if you're not gonna help? Ivy lets out a growl and like kicks at Caleb's center and just as hard as she can trying to break ribs. Whenever it cracks in, it's the sound of wood snapping and breaking from being burnt off. And it gives off like this scent of lingering smoke that envelops. Caleb, as you are shoved backwards, like kind of holding your where your ribs were kicked, you see the only light in the hallway aside from the candles in the room are Kai's glowing eyes as she stalks behind Ivy as Ivy is slowly standing back up. And this time, as Kai grabs for Ivy, she's not the only one holding her, but you see snakes travel down Kai's arms and jump where they're touching Ivy's skin onto Ivy's skin, binding her succinctly to Kai. 
cry. And in your ear, you hear, this would have been so hot if you were you. Bodies Ivy into this room and manages to push her through the candle barrier that's surrounding the bed and looks to Adam and says, here's the difference. You might be in her, but she's still not you. And like, shove, like shoves Ivy onto the bed. And Ivy, you feel, you felt like these binds as the snakes gripped you. And as you are tossed, you feel your arms with like from the snake where the snake ink hit you, reach out and like bind to, like invisibly bind somewhere so your arms are out. Ivy like feels all the breath like just whoosh out of her as she lands on the bed and her wrists are pulled towards the edges. And when she lands for a second, her eyes go clear and she just goes, Kai, what the fuck is going on? You hear a growl come from Adam as if he's fighting against something and Ivy's clear eyes go back to black and she kind of like rise against the bindings on the bed. Her black eyes look at Kai's glowing ones. She's like, babe, this could still be hot. I'm sure he'd take you too. Looking back at you, Kai says, I think this means we're opposites right now and I'm good staying that way. You guys hear the door, the door into the house bust open. You hear boots. You hear a hiss out of Adam's mouth and the door to the room slams closed. And then it is just, Ivy, Kai, Caleb, and Adam in this room. When you start hearing a whisper, and it seems to be a chant of some sort, and the fire, like the flames of the candles, grow bigger. They go, and they glow brighter in the room. And you see blood dripping down the edge of the banisters of the bed where the wards are. From that split second moment of Ivy coming back to herself, in this state, Caleb's senses are so much more heightened than when they us- what they usually are. And I've always said that the Duncans smell like a way about them. They just smell old. Not bad, but old. Ivy was always a little bit different. Maybe it was the half human part of her, but there was something that was more gentle about it while still smelling very, very old. And I could never explain it in a way until that moment just now where she came back and it was so very obvious that Ivy smells like entering into an old, forgotten rose garden that has been overgrown ten times over by floral and nature and everything that comes with it because it is ancient it hasn't seen human life in so long and yet it is so cherished and wonderful and that moment where it snapped back right away that acrid mildew disgusting rot scent of this shadow creature my eyes are going to snap toward where adam is and i would like to try and use my heightened senses i want to find a weakness to this creature so so bad if I can hone in on its scent now and see if I can find anything to work with. Roll 2d6 with your dark. It's a 7 minus 1, so it's a 6. <laughs> Fuck! This is a creature you have never, I use never encounter before loosely because you have encountered it since you first ran into it, but never before that. It's not like with the Duncans where you've known them since you were a kid and you got so used to what they were that feeling out Gregor was so different. This is beyond your scope of understanding in the sense that it doesn't seem to have a weakness once it gets in you. As all this happens, it looks to you and says, I'm too down. Caleb, what would it hurt? You just have to say okay. Do you understand what I could do for you? 
You're so afraid of it. You're so afraid of being back here. Can make that go away. Whenever I speak, this elongated, like, smoke-like canine face that I have now with all of the glitter and stars and little images of eyeballs shattering and flitting about, the mouth doesn't move. It comes out more like a creaky echo. There's a warmth to the voice, though, that wasn't there whenever this happened the other time. It laughs, and I say, You really need to get some new material. This is getting so old, and I'm going to rush him. Roll me lash out physically. That's a 12. <laughs> Adam is a solid being that you smack into and stumble backwards into the wall. But instead of breaking any part of Adam, you just crash, like the, the wood paneling of the wall splits open. And you hear the low mocking laugh that you heard so long ago as a kid and that you heard in the cave. You think I'm weak enough for that. Oh, you have so much to learn. And his hand shoots out and grasps you around the throat. The wind around the house picks up as if you're becoming in the midst of a tornado whistling, as does the wind around the cars you're driving down the road. You're lit by red light from the moon and a piece of the barrier floats down and hits your car. And it is a solid thing when it hits. The fire around the edges kind of fizzles out. There's a blemish in where it's laying atop the windshield. You pull into the woods that lead you to the meadow where the heart is. And when you get there, there are dozens of people and things in this meadow. You see flitting figures in the air, floating about. You see people on the ground with spears, with swords. You see people holding up hands as if they have protective barriers themselves that they're putting out. You see bony arms dragging themselves across the grassy ground, bony fingers sticking into the mud and ripping it back as they pull themselves along the floor. It is a flurry of activity, a flurry of some sort of fight happening as the car screeches to a halt just at the tree line. Is the entrance open? It is not. Just like, go. Floor it. Just get as close as we can to the fucking rock thing, right? Like, that's, that's that's where you guys went last time, right? Do you believe what it said through Ivy? Farrah, like, pauses for a second, because they're in, like, very much so, like, we need to get this done as quickly as possible mode. And they pause and they look over at Sawyer, like, which part? Sawyer kind of looks over to you, eyes just fully, just extremely wide. This is gonna, this is gonna save them, right? Pharaoh like takes takes like a shaky breath in and then looks out at the fucking battle that's happening in front of them and they say even if it's not guaranteed to save Adam I think it's the best shot there but it'll still save at least others and they kind of look towards the people who are fighting against these monsters with swords which are still a thing I guess and magic like they're like we'll deal with this we'll process this later pharaoh it's all right bud and they turn back to Sawyer and they say I think right now we just need to do what we do best and not be noticed you see just kind of one tear fall from Sawyer before he puts the car into gear and attempts to go through the tree line the car revs forward you do your best to avoid the people around you. You're not unnoticed in the midst of this by both the monsters and 
and the people fighting them. And as you get closer to the cavern, you can feel the thuds as things are swooping down and hitting the roof of your car. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. It's fine. Just go. I floor it. Once we get close enough, as Sawyer like starts like slow down a little bit, before the car even comes close to stopping, Pharaoh's gonna like slam the door out and try to hit like a, a skeleton or whatever the fuck, and then rush around to cover Sawyer to help him get out. Sawyer puts his seatbelt on while that's all happening. Pharaoh sh- jumps out of a moving vehicle. You skid to a halt next to the cavern that is closed still by the rock face in front of it. Pharaoh runs around and like opens your door as they are like physically holding off this flaming eyeballed skeleton thing. Sawyer tries to get out of the car, but the seatbelt yanks him back in. He stops and he God unbuckles damn it, Sawyer! It, pulls out his little knife and like flops onto the ground and starts just crawling. Pharaoh's gonna do their best to like keep everything off of Sawyer and like cover for him as he moves towards the entrance. Like whether that's shoving or they have their knife as well, which does have the Artemisia on it, even though they're probably not gonna help if it's not a vampire. But they're they're scrappy, so they're gonna do their best to protect their brother. Can I roll to hold steady? Oh, also, um, you can add a one to that roll because my move, like the way whenever your friends follow your commands or your lead they add one to their roles since we know ashley's move now pharaoh is the chosen skin all right that's a nine i will just keep my cool then so you were able to frantically get your seatbelt off you get out of the car you help uh your half sibling shove off this skeleton and you run over to the entrance of this cavern that is nothing but a boulder in front of you Okay, so, like, do the thing. And then Pharaoh's, like, has their back to the cavern and you, and they're just, like, keeping an eye out. They're just, like, covering you. Like, okay, just just do the thing, quick. Uh, Sawyer? I'll just... Uh, and Sawyer will just try and, like, walk into the boulder. You hit solid boulder. Sawyer, please tell me that on the drive over here, you remembered how to open it, right? Because we're surrounded by skeletons. Ah, uh, fuck. Pharaoh's gonna, like, uh, turn back because there's other people fighting the things off. They'll be casting glances over their shoulder, but they're gonna run up next to Sawyer next to this big fucking stone. I wasn't paying attention! Obviously! And they're gonna, like, pat the stone, like, maybe, like, triple knock, do different things. Touch the heart to it. Maybe that does something. You know, like a key. Is it like a key? Try that. I will do that and then simultaneously attempt to gaze into the abyss. While he's doing this, I just imagine, like, a little skeleton hand crawling up and then Pharaoh seeing that being like, fuck, and just, like, stomping it. (laughs) Is it a ten? You touch the stone to the rock and your vision clouds over in darkness. Pharaoh, you watch Sawyer do that and still, but you watch as a stone touches it that the rock, like, not like the last time you saw it, but like disintegrates almost. But Sawyer is still stuck with his hand out and the rock out. Pharaoh like hesitates because they don't know if like there's weird magic stuff. Like you're not supposed to wake up someone who's sleepwalking, but they look back and there's like a lot of scary things happening. So they try to like gently just like move Sawyer towards the entrance. All right, bud, let's let's go now. We can go now. Did a great job. Come on. Sawyer, it feels like you're seeing the future. You see as if looking down at Wildmore from high above this moment in time, you see your home overridden by things you only knew about in stories and fairy tales. You see people in a house on the Moor property, people you know, people you love, in the midst of a fight. And yet you feel hope. This isn't the last step 
of the puzzle. You have to get it out of Ivy, that thing. But if you put this stone back in its place, it's gonna lose at least half of its hold, if not more, on Ivy, on this place, on its existence in general. It is completely wound up with the heart and has been for a very long time. So you just have to do one thing and then maybe you can breathe easy about your friends. You unfreeze in this moment and you've really unfreeze because Pharaoh has been trying to shove you into the entrance of this cavern. You kind of like fall forward as they do so. They'll catch you a bit as you stumble and they're like, you good? Is that, can we go? So in the vision, this thing has intertwined itself into the heart? In this sense that it has since the moment of its conception here tried to pull power from it but you see a future in which the heart is whole and your friends are saved as in putting the heart back together will not banish the creature but it will shove it out a little bit more fuck Pharaoh's sort of just leaning over you, like, they're not sure if they need to move you in one, but they're also, like, you see them, like, casting, like, glances up at the entrance, and they're, like, nervously looking up at the monsters outside, and just kind of, like, waiting, because they don't know what just happened. This isn't gonna fully save them, but it'll do- I'll do my part. I will put the stone up and rush forward into the entrance. Pharaoh's gonna follow, like, not even a step behind. There's, like, a humming that just gets- louder and louder as you go and as you guys are running you realize that maybe it's the stone opening new pathways for you maybe it's the fact that you're running and not walking maybe it's the adrenaline coursing through your body but it feels like it takes half the time it took the first time to get into this cavern and as soon as you cross the, the, the threshold of the actual cavern with this stone it's like a piercing shrieking noise hits both of your ears and you can see the black sludge like start to vibrate as if it's alive, as if it's scared of the presence of this new thing. First of all, Pharaoh, like, they, like, cover their ears as best they can with the ringing until it adjusts, but how much of the sledge is, like, around? It's a lot. Uh, Sawyer would specifically notice that it has grown since the last time he was here, um, but it's, it's a lot. It's covering a lot of the surfaces. You can see that there's a blue glow trying to come through a lot of places that are just being overtaken by it. Sawyer will clutch the heart and bring it to his chest and hold it with both of his hands and start to trudge his way towards the, the center point, um, attempting as best he can to avoid whatever sludge he can. All the while, with every step, thinking back to trying to shove off the bad memories of the last time they were there and overcoming that with the memory of all of them laughing as kids at the river, not getting the snake away from Ivy because it was hers now. And another step flashing to the first time that Sawyer saw Caleb back in school and just thinking like how excited he was. And another step and thinking about that dance to that stupid careless whisper song with Ivy. And with every step, it's just another fond memory that this is finally going to help He's finally going to help bring his friends back together permanently and will attempt to get to the center. It's like a hopscotch through the stone floor over where the sludge has taken place until you get there. And you know the spot you saw before and the stone looks like it would fit perfectly and you place it in to where it belongs. And as you do, it's like a force brings your hand flat against it. Pharaoh, what you see is Sawyer's hand go flat against this well, this spring of sorts, and 
and his arm go rigid and his head like be thrown back at the neck until it's like he's looking up at the ceiling and you see as if his entire body is giving off this golden light. Sawyer, you feel like your very DNA is breaking down as your brain functions on a level that no human beings was meant to function on. And you see the entire history of Wildmore in like a split second. It is painful and wonderful. Everything you thought it would be in horrific at the same time. You see people who look familiar in face, ancestors. You see Bast and Gabriel looking not any different than they do now, yet in a time period that doesn't seem to fit them. You see quarrels and you see happiness and smiles. You see parties and celebrations. You see funerals. You see family gatherings. You see the stone passing hands. And through all of that, in every single memory that a more exists, in. There was a shadow at their back. But all of this happens in a split second and you come back, huffing out of breath, exhausted, weary-eyed, almost falling to your knees against this well. Pharaoh's there to catch you as soon as you start wobbling. They didn't know like what the glowing bit was. They, I think they were about to reach out to see like if you were in pain and then it suddenly like stopped again and you started to sag and so they caught you before you fell down and they look around at the, at the room and they look down at you and they just say, are you okay? Sawyer slowly looks up at you, completely shaken. <sighs> I didn't fuck this one up. Congrats. We need to make sure they don't. Let's go back. Like, just just leave it here? I look around at the sludge. Is it doing anything? It's slow, but from the point that the heart was put in, has started to recede. You don't know where it's going, but it has started to pull back very slowly. I help Sawyer up to his feet fully, letting him, like, drape an arm around my shoulders to, like, prop him up a bit if need be. Okay, we head back. Sawyer takes a step forward and immediately falls and winces and grabs his head. There's like this vein that's just kind of pulsing, you can see protruding above his temple. Just take a few deep breaths, and they keep looking over their shoulder at the entrance, like semi-paranoid about things following through. Magic takes a toll, or there's always a price, that's what like all the nerd books say. So just like breathe a little bit, okay? You did what we had to do, so you can rest for a bit. Give me one second. And then Pharaoh's gonna take their phone out and try to, like, call Elias to see if there's any updates over there. Caleb, you are stuck between the sense of seeing your brother and not as his hand lunges forward and grabs you around the neck in a grip you know is inhuman. And he says, Thomas Moore made a deal with a devil and thought an ocean could save him. I'm here to collect. Again, the voice doesn't really come from me it comes from around and within me good thing i'm not thomas and then trying to distract from him grabbing here i'm going to use my legs to kick out try and get him off me actually this would be uh your uncontainable well that's a four you try to jerk away and kick off of him and he is just way too strong and he says it doesn't matter you're not him he didn't make a deal for himself he made a deal for the wolf so all you have to do is I have asked so easily of you is to say okay, and then the deal is done. There's like the crackle of sparks, fire, lighting around my words as I say, What is it with you weird old folks and your trouble with consent? No! And there's a moment of peace 
ivy that comes over you not in the sense that you're ivy again but just like a peace within this space of like is there another way to break free than physically breaking free can i can i gaze into the abyss and figure that out i think that would be a very interesting thing for you to do in this moment so yes please gaze into the abyss i got a three you are so gone beyond reason at this point because giving into your darkest self as you have done allowing the shadow creature to live within you in some way is different than if this shadow creature was fully in control of you like they are adam and so you still know who you used to be you just don't care anymore but it's still there and so in this pause of trying to break from these restraints to get the upper hand once again. This calm that overtakes you is from the shadow entity that is within you, letting you know that you can do this. You have the power. You've always had the power, but that's the thing. You've always had the power. The shadow turns back to you and says, just give in to it already. Ivy wrenches up as hard as she can, her back arching up towards the ceiling as she pulls against the restraints on her wrists, and she lets out this horrible yell. Not quite a scream, just a yell of frustration. You feel snapping as you do so, but an inch of a movement longer, and you feel once again, like, and pulled back, and you hear... Kai say, see that's how I know this isn't you. And Caleb, you see along Adam's arms where he's holding you, the black veins start to move down his arm towards you. And the creature says, it's so much easier if you let it in, but I will force my way if I have to. As Ivy is struggling in her restraints and Kai says this, this bark of laughter almost echoes from Caleb. It's not condescending though. It's, it sounds like laughter that you would share with friends over stories and camaraderie. Yeah, Ivy, are you really gonna let a man tell you what to do? And then snap my head back to this creature and say, you can use his body all you want, but I know the secrets. And even though he's gone, I do have a string on Adam. I am going to lash out and try to incapacitate him because I know that when we were younger, Adam thought it would be a great idea to ride down the fucking banister of our house and I told him not to. I said he was gonna hurt himself, and he said that I was being a spoil sport, and I was lame, and just to sit back and watch him do it, because I always watch him do it. So I sat there at the bottom of the banister with my arms crossed as he flew down, shot past me, and smacked into our kitchen table, and broke his leg. And I know he has a huge scar along the back of his calf. So I'm going to wrench my foot out and step on it really hard. Roll lash out physically with that string. So I believe you get to add one to the roll. That is a nine plus one for my string is a ten. You reach out and you kick that spot on Adam's leg. And the physical body reacts to that pain. And you hear human bodies are so fragile. And then there's a pounding at the door and Adam's black eyes, you can't even tell where they're looking. His head actually moves towards the door and then back to you. And he's now a little bit shorter than you because his one of his legs has given up. So he's like half crouching and he says, 
So how about we make a deal then? I kill all of them in an instant, or I get you. And you feel this creature rise back up to full posture in Adam's body, because unfortunately, Adam has given this creature so many strings on himself throughout this game that it didn't last for long, that pain that you gave. So many people outside trying to do the same thing you're doing, trying to save you. Gone in an instant, or you finally gaining all of the power that you deserve. Ivy did it so easily. Without question, it was an offer, and she realized what that would mean, and she took it. I don't know why you're trying to fight her fate. It's the same as yours. You deserve this. You are better than the rest of them, and you know that, and you can wield that, and yet you choose not to. When Adam got hit and cried out for just a second, Ivy felt that cry reverberate through her body and her head whipped over to look at him. She saw a scar, the same scar that she traced a thousand times. Her fingertips, her eyes. She remembers the cast he wore as a kid for so many months. She remembers his voice when he would ask her to carry him or be his human crutch. And then with clarity, as if the words are actually entering her brain for the first time instead of just floating in this cloud of confusion and distortion, she hears this darkness say that Caleb is better than her. And she laughed, a real Ivy laugh, half making fun of you, half your confidence. And with eyes light gray once again, she says, babe, I think I'm the best sacrifice you're gonna get here. I think that while Ivy is not unpossessed in this moment, I think Ivy comes out of her darkest self in this moment. And as that happens, and you say those words, Adam turns to you with a sneer and says, don't act like you care now and you didn't just suck the life out of the boy moments ago. But you hear ringing in your head, you hear what has brought you back. Your level of confidence isn't necessarily a show, but you have seen Caleb turn. You have seen what he can do. Being better than you, you being better than him, that's what got you into this mess in the first place. And so no matter how much that hurts, there's enough logic to not revert back again. You can still hear the nagging in your head. It's still there. It's still this piercing. It's annoying. It is constant. This just of things. You're not good enough. You are good enough. This is what you need to be. This is what you should be. All these things constantly. But sometimes making fun of your best friend is the easiest way to break through it. Ivy looks at Adam, looks at Caleb, says, do you know? This creature looks at Caleb, looks at Ivy, like it can't read what's in your head for a moment. You watch the like weird smoky wolf head turn to you and kind of cock its head to the side like it doesn't understand what you're asking. Ivy realizes that, maybe not even consciously realizes that she has to do this because if Adam tells him first, it might be devastating consequences. And she says, you can't save him, Caleb. I said that before and I meant it. It's my fault. All of it. All of it's my fault, I think. But if when it leaves him, there won't be anything left. There's kind of like this low 
register rumble that comes from Caleb. It's not necessarily a growl. It's not angry. It's understanding. You feel like if Caleb were standing there in front of you with his arms crossed around across his chest like he usually does, probably be biting his lower lip, jutting out his jaw a little bit, giving like one firm nod. And then you watch as within, because it is beautiful and mesmerizing in a way, the more that this becomes an aspect of Caleb and less an aspect of this curse that he bears, this wolf creature that is made of smoke and memories and laughter and community, the way that these little spiral patterns of gold kind of fleck in and out some aspect of mystery to it but it's familial and it's friendly and it trusts you so much that echoing reverb of a voice comes from him again ivy i'm not saving him i'm saving you and then the wolf head turns back towards that shadow creature maybe this is something i need to take to therapy later but if i get to punch my brother's body a couple times i'll take it and i'm gonna swing out and i'm gonna punch him again okay roll your lash out physically plus two is an eight this entire time there's been pounding on the door there's been noises there's been shouting and it looks as if like every time there's a pounding there's like this um black dark webbing that has clouded over the front of this door on the inside so like it can't be opened and you hear shouting but it's so far away as if you guys are on a different plane of existence so you punch this creature you watch your brother's jaw go to the side and like as just inhumanly crack back around to look at you this whole time ivy has just been staring at caleb her breath is coming fast and she feels like her face is cold all of a sudden and she realizes it's because it's just completely wet with tears and she just says why but before you can answer her the creature has grabbed you by the top of your head and like gripped the sides the fingers just digging into your skull ah you are all so weak i never needed permission i asked it nicely and you feel like a pulse as if it's going to literally shoot the black veins inside of you from adam's hand but as it moves to do that a bright glowing blue hole appears in its chest and it is shunted backwards away from you (sighs) what have you done I look at Ivy again. I didn't do that. Me neither. Your little friends. You think you're so smart. Sneaking around in the corner of the room. The air flickers and Naya appears. And she says, I think he's weak enough now. And speaks in this just slightly not Spanish Spanish. As you've heard her speak in before when she does a spell. And you see the wards on the bed begin to glow. You see the wards on the door, the wards on the window. Ivy, you are pulled back once again against your will towards the bed. And you feel this burning heat through the center of your body. And you hear Caleb Naya speaking to you. I don't know if I can get rid of him, but I can... I think I can get it out of her. As the heat shoots up through Ivy's body, she lets out a scream. Just blood-curdling scream from deep inside of her. It feels like this giant pressure pushing against her muscles and out of her bones. And her head hurts. But she can hear Naya say that. And through pants of pain, she says, Then just do it. At this point, Ivy blacks out, and 
goes limp on the bed. Now this creature is holy, like literally, as in that there are like blue gashes of light through different parts of Adam's body. And it's just saying, why do you fight against such power that you could hold? Trying to focus in on all these little beads of light with my weird, funky little wolf eyes. They're going to dart around his torso and make their way up to his face. And it's almost like I can see like the tendrils of like that dark, muck, sludgy grossness seeping out of the words that he's saying through my brother's broken face. We're going to take a really deep breath in and I'm going to gaze into the abyss and I'm going to see if I can find his weakness. <laughs> Instead of gazing at the abyss, I want you to use heightened senses, but I want you to use it with your volatile. My eyes track around to all those little bits and watch that smoky, sap-like substance start to leak out of him. It's like it's hanging in the air in front of me. The smell is so thick thick and heavy and smells like mold and mildew and something that should have died centuries ago should have been laid to rest and i don't know much about history i am 15 years old but what i do know is that i hate it when anyone in authority tells me what to do and for my role i got a 14 i need you to ask me three questions they do not have to be the ones on this list they can be any three questions you wish about this creature, this situation. My dad always told me that names hold so much power. So I want to know what its real name is. That's my first one. My second one is can I kill it? Or can it be killed? And the third, the follow-up to the second, if it can't be killed, how do I contain it? You have been given a couple previous hints that this thing's natural habitat may not be this land. Somebody else has said that to you before. It said it to you today that it followed an ancestor here. Truthfully, its true name is lost even to it. That is how old this creature is. But you don't think its true name is hooked on its destruction in this case because in lieu of its true name and having that, it in a way exchanged it for being tied to Wildmore. And so you feel a sense of confusion in the face of can you kill it or not because of how old it is but can you get rid of it for a very 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 long time and maybe kill it yes but i don't think you're ever gonna for certain know if you killed it and you recognize this blue light as being the same blue light you saw in the heart of wildmore cave when you were there so you can make an easy supposition that Sawyer succeeded. That's my boyfriend! That's my boyfriend! And that's helped by the fact that outside of the pounding on the door and the yelling from these people whom you do not know but who showed up at this house, the whistling of the wind and these screaming, terrifying sounds from creatures that were infesting your home start to rescind a little bit as you stand in this room. The power that this creature holds is number one from Wildmore, which is breaking down before your eyes. Number two, from powerful people it gets its grip into. You don't think that Adam can give it any more power anymore, seeing that he is obviously dead. So the only thing it's holding on to right now for dear life is Ivy, who is actively trying to be purged from it. But the only thing that can truly break through a shadow is light. And the last time that you tried to break its connection with somebody, while it didn't work entirely, it took 
all of you being there. I and Naya are hovered over Ivy, and the only other person focused on this on you is the visage of what used to be your brother, who is quite obviously, since the moment he stepped foot in this house, was never your brother. And you see through the blue light streaks and the holes in his body, this black smoke. I look over to the disfigured holy version of my brother, and I know that he's gone, and I'll have to deal with that later. It's very compartmentalized right now, in the heat of the moment, everything high stakes that's happening, and I rush over to the bed where Ivy is, and you know, he was on to something. Music does help people a lot of the time. He's really, really close. He does try so hard, and that's why I like him a lot. It wasn't quite right, though. And in this form, I don't have the ability to be able to, like, grab a freaking boombox or honestly even try to serenade her right now. But I do know that Ivy's favorite song is The Sound by 1975, because Caleb is the type of person that is overly obsessed with music and takes great stock in what other people say are their favorites. So he's going to lean down close to Ivy, and that sound, again, that doesn't really quite come from him when he speaks, but kind of all around him. It's just this low-tone rumble humming of that song, trying to get as close to Ivy's ears as he can, hoping that that will do something to be able to help her. You start humming this, and the web that the shadow creature had put up on the door starts to disintegrate. And in a couple more pounds, the door bursts open and literal black ops agents with guns pointed (laughs) fall into this room, quickly followed by your literal homeroom teacher who is dressed as he usually is dressed with his like little bow ties and his plaid shirts, but with a bulletproof vest on. And through this open door and through the open door downstairs, you hear with your humming, soft and getting louder, through Adam's fucked up car stereo speakers. The sound, just like a bad bass coming through as you hear the car revving, going as fast as it can through the yards, up past your house, staying on idling with the sound blasting through the speakers. Pharaoh and Sawyer, you thrust open both of the doors. You see all these vans pulled up the front door. You see all these agents out around the house. You see Agent Drummond um, back by a van talking orders into a a, um, walkie-talkie. I look at Pharaoh. Well, hmm, listen. We'll talk about this later. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about this. Well, Well, I'll give you the full breakdown. It's okay. Sawyer tries to push his way into the house. Once I see Sawyer try to, like, go through these people, I'm gonna just take the charge and tell them to get the fuck out of the way and have Sawyer follow in. There's there's a moment in which that they don't really take your order. You hear gargled bad audio through the walkie-talkie. Let them through. Yeah, that's right. Let us through. I give a thumbs up to Drummond. I'm skipping steps, bursting through towards Caleb and Ivy. The first thing you see coming to this room are these agents with guns pointed at Adam, who is now crouched on the ground in the corner of the room, holes through his body, this this blue light mixed with this black shadow that is slowly leaking from his body and swirling on the ground in front of him. You see Kai bent over the bed, which Ivy's laying flat on, passed out. You see Naya eyes shut, chanting words over and over and over again, sweat starting to drip down her face, brow 
furrowed and creased as if this is taking a lot of energy. You see Caleb sitting on the bed right next to Ivy and and sitting is a hard, it's a swirling mist form of a wolf. So like it's, it's not sitting necessarily, but over the bed of that Ivy is on and you hear this snarling, mumbling, humming sound that sounds like the song playing outside. Ivy, in the blackness that you reached into, you remember something else, something a while ago. When Ivy loses consciousness, she gets pushed into not blankness, but pure darkness, as if she's in fully present in a nightmare. She still hears this voice urging her towards every terrible, shitty, rude thought she's ever had, every superiority complex, every lashing out, every time she's ignored the people she loved because she felt she didn't deserve it, didn't deserve their love. And she feels almost as if she had a body in this space. She would have been dropping to her knees, just screaming, screaming at a sky. But all of it is just the dark of her own mind. And through this, she hears a very familiar melody. And all of a sudden, instead of being in this endless darkness, she's a preteen. She has stolen her dad's car for the first time and... Sawyer's in the passenger seat. They are driving on the back roads because Ivy knows she can't get away with it for that long, but she puts on this song that she just found on Tumblr, and they're both rocking out. Sawyer doesn't know any of the words. It's the first time he's heard it, but he's dancing just as hard as she is in their seats, and the wind is whipping through their hair, and they're grinning so wide. And as the second chorus comes around, Sawyer, she remembers, turned down the volume. She's like, hey, what the fuck, dude? And she remembers him looking at her strangely and saying, Can you, he, can you actually hear the sound of my heart, like, for real? And Ivy kind of winks at him. She's like, yeah, sometimes. And before he turns the music back up, he says, Would you know it? She says, of course, yeah. You're my best friend. She definitely made fun of him for being so sentimental later, but every time she hears this song, that's what she thinks of. Her best friend, and how well she knows him and how well he knows her, even by the sound of his heartbeat. And as that memory of them speeding off down the road ends, Ivy feels herself being pulled down, down back into the real world, into consciousness, into light and sound, and everything is so disorienting, and she wakes with this huge gasp, and she sees Caleb in his swirling wolf form, and she sees Sawyer so worried as usual, and she sees her new friends, Kai and Naya, protecting her. They are all protecting her. And she feels a sink in her stomach, this roiling self-loathing as she looks and sees Adam splitting apart or what's left of him. And she looks back at Caleb and she says, you never answered me. Why are you trying to save me if I'm hopeless? In this moment as well, Sawyer is creeping forward, just kind of dragging his feet, trying to hover over Ivy. The swirling eyes meet Sawyer's 
and you feel like, though it's hard to tell in this weird in-between form of his, if he could be, the sides of his eyes would be crinkling up just a little bit that Sawyer made it here. And then back to Ivy, that rumble again. It's weird because it's all around the room and it's like an echo that you would hear a shout in the middle of the woods friends chasing each other and playing tag and ducking behind trees and bushes sitting around a campfire laughing with your whole body and your whole soul telling stories until you start to see the dawn crack out from the skyline those eyes that are incorporeal floating around in this spectral-like smoke form. Some of them seem to dart and watch as Sawyer approaches, and it looks as though all of them kind of crinkle at the sides, like they're very happy to see him. And whenever he speaks, it's aloud to the room, but it feels like it is for Ivy. I think that's just what it feels like to be a teenager. A little hopeless, a lot of messed up, and I think that's why we need to stay together. I can't fight all of your battles for you, but I can help. I look over at Sawyer again. We can help. Ivy's, like, whole body is just damp with sweat and tears and her like baby hairs are sticking to her forehead and her cheeks and her, her dark circles under her eyes are so deep but when she looks at you it's the same ivy and she just says caleb please i was fighting your battles for you before you even knew who you were Thanks for sticking around. And she, with ease, just reaches her arms out as if there's nothing ever holding her wrist back. And she just reaches one hand out to Sawyer and one hand towards Caleb. You watch as she reaches out to you and the ink on her arms starts to flow into the air and it flows in like a chain back to Kai's skin where it goes up and disappears under her clothes. She lets out like a shuddering breath and she says, I'm not gonna lie though, I might need your help on this one. I'm really trying but there's a lot. It's a lot. It's saying a lot to me and I, you guys sure? I'm worth it. Sawyer will grab your hand and move in and just flop next to you. Kind of cuddle into you under your shoulder, look at you. Ivy, I love you. No bud included. Ivy, like, immediately starts crying, but also laughs. And she takes the hand that's still interlaced with Sawyer's to wipe some tears and sweat off of her cheek. <sighs> wow, Sawyer. Pretty proud of you for that one, bud. Oh, now you're saying, bud. Yeah, I gotta get you back. <laughs> hey, you know... We still gotta get tattoos. Yeah. The tears are still, like, streaming down her face. Suddenly this pain, like, twists in her gut, and she lets out this cry and squeezes both of their hands as tightly as she can. Guys, he doesn't really want to let me go. I don't think it's gonna let me go. Naya says, I can't really hold these up anymore. And you see her eyes starting to droop. It's almost gone. Caleb's hand in Ivy's grips a little bit harder. Like she could feel like his hand underneath everything else that was there. It looked a little weird and distorted though because the hand itself was encompassed in that roiling smoky mist. Whenever it grips though a little bit tighter, the smoke starts to drift off and his hand is there again, just Caleb. And through the interaction of Sawyer and Ivy going back and forth. He just started to laugh under his breath, something teasing, something to make fun of them with, and also something so fond and compassionate. The smoke 
leaves his body. He's no longer transformed. His eyes refocus, drift back, look normal again. He looks over to Naya, nods a little bit. There is still a seriousness about this situation. And then to Kai, and back to Ivy. Again, Ivy. Are you really going to let someone else tell you what to do? You're Ivy fucking Duncan. Get a grip. Sawyer just lets out just like a sharp exhale of a laugh. Even through this sharp pain pulling her, Ivy manages to roll her eyes at Caleb. She's like, you know I won't. Uh, You'd have to kill me first. You might still do that, by the way. Uh, I really love you guys. And Caleb, I promise I love Adam too. I know, I know. As you say this, and this grief that you haven't been able to feel floods through your body at what you did and at what seems to have been forgiven when you don't feel the that you've earned it. That ball of heat and fire and pain courses through your entire body until you feel like you're going to explode. And then you feel this liquid start leaking from your eyes, thicker than tears. And you all watch as Ivy starts to bleed black from the corners of her eyes. And as that happens, you feel it move and you feel it move up and out as if it can't sustain with all of this emotion until you blink and the black kind of covers your eyes. Not not like it did before, but like the literal black liquid kind of f- smudges your vision and you blink it away and you wipe away at your face, black coming off on your fingertips. He's not there anymore. The shadow that was telling you how you weren't good enough, how you could be so good, how you needed to strive for more how you held power at bay, how you were so powerful, all of the conflicting things it had been whispering in your ear, gone in an instant from your mind. All the breath in Ivy's body just leaves her, and as she takes in her next breath, it's like a window open. It's like oxygen is getting into her brain and her blood for the first time, and it seems like she can't remember how long since, since she first saw the shadow in Adam all those months ago. And she looks around at her friends, her best friends, and she just goes to say something snarky, goes to make fun of how serious they're all looking at her, but she kind of can't. She just keeps crying and pulls them into her, saying, I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. It's gone now. Sawyer tilts your head and puts your ear against his chest and then looks over at Caleb and then just kind of purses a smile, just looks at you in the eyes and not crying but on the verge, just gives you this look of, I'm glad that we succeeded. Caleb does that thing where he bites his lip, sort of juts his jaw forward a little bit and gives one nod, but there's a softness in his eyes. And now everything seems to be starting to pass. The conflict is starting to end. You would notice, because you know Caleb well enough, that the reason this time why he's biting his lip, usually it's because he's holding back a smile and he doesn't want to look too excited about anything kind of messes with the image this time it's because it's holding back something else his eyes look just a little bit misty like the repercussions of everything that just happened in the last 24 hours is starting to catch up with him you feel sawyer's hand run through the back of your hair and pull your head in close under his chin and sawyer holds both of you and just kind of smiles because he doesn't know what else to do and when he smiles his cheeks raise up to his eyes and a couple of tears fall Elias has, during all of this time, quietly ushered these 
agents out of the room in a very whispered manner and has kind of cornered Pharaoh by the door and is, sh- and is just like, are you okay? I look over to Elias and I say, I fought a giant flaming skeleton, so that's gonna be a very unique therapy bill I'm assuming y'all are gonna cover. But in regards to all of this, uh, to be decided, I guess. Um, I think right now we just need to make sure that it gets cleaned up and that they're okay, because... I may have been here the whole time, but I'm not nearly as close. I don't know. I can't imagine how they're feeling right now. I just... We just need to help clean up the mess. He reads the deflection of his question to you. He says, I believe in dealing with these sort of situations in a humane and slow as needed to be manner. So why don't you stay for a second and I will go downstairs and deal with Agent Drummond. Pharaoh nods and then says, before you go, um, do you think there's a way we can get a coroner or someone to- and I just nod at uh, Adam's body. And I say, I, I don't think that that's going to be conducive to the whole calming down at the moment. To be perfectly honest, Pharaoh, I think they all need to see it because they will one way or another. Pharaoh just shakes her head and goes, all right, well, you're covering their therapy bill as well then. I know we put you through a lot more than we should have, but you've done good, even if you hated doing it. They they do that thing where they like try to like bite their lip to keep from smiling, but they do like blush a little bit because they are very proud of themselves. And also like they didn't die. So hell yeah, that's a perk. But they just kind of nod and they say, hey, what's family for. He puts a hand on your shoulder and squeezes. I'll be right downstairs when you're ready. Pharaoh nods um, and watches him head down and then they just sort of not post up next to the door. They do that thing where they just sort of um, like just fade into the background a little bit, just sort of waiting for the three of you to look like you need something or if another flaming skeleton or something pops out they're not quite sure at this point in their life but they're just sort of waiting to see when they'll be needed next Naya has collapsed with exhaustion on the other side of the bed Kai is kind of joining you in that visage of trying to disappear a little bit as she sees that these three friends are commiserating together and as Adam's body lies slumped in the corner of this room and Ivy, Caleb and Sawyer huddle hugging one another in grief and solidarity on the bed. Despite Pharaoh's want to disappear, they are noticed. And it's not a replacement in any way, but there's some sort of peace and calmness brought by the fact that four people are together again, even when one is lost, one new one was found. And with that, I think there is a hard path and understanding amongst these house children of things that they learned and things that they saw that a lot needs to be changed and worked on and grown differently than how it's been and it lays on their shoulders now another weight to add to the one that was just lost Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to support our show, you can become a patron at patreon.com queerpg. Becoming a patron allows you access to our exclusive after show, where the cast talks about character insights and their own reactions to the episode, as well as a plethora of other perks. 
If you like the show, remember to rate and review. And to keep up with Queer PG, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at QueerPGPod, and on Tumblr at tumblr.com slash QueerPG. Until next time. <laughs>